Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business, and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. I grew up with a disability, so lots of people will say I've had to overcome adversity. I don't see it that way. I've been very much adaptable to my environment, and I think that resonates and kind of goes back to my mother knew I had a disability before she gave birth to me, and what she said to me in in probably my teenage years was the radiographer said to her, due to the fact that I'm missing countless muscles in my left leg, I shouldn't be able to walk, let alone wear a prosthetic leg. All right, guys, I'm telling you, I'm really looking forward to this. So I'm bringing in a new buddy of mine, James Robert, and this dude's story is legit. I mean, what he's been through, what he's done is just a powerful, cool story. I'm really looking forward to this one. So, James, my friend, welcome to the show, brother. Please tell us your story. Thank you very much for having me on, Donnie. Well, for your listeners, I come from a upbringing from a military perspective. Both my parents were in the forces. My father was in the U.S. Air Force. And my mother worked for NATO, which is the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. So I've had an upbringing within fitness, nutrition to some extent from, well, from birth, really. And I grew up with a disability. So uh, I, lots of people will say I've had to overcome adversity. I don't see it that way. I've been very much adaptable to my environment. And I think that resonates and kind of goes back to my mother knew I had a disability before she gave birth to me and what she said to me in a in probably my teenage years was the radiographer said to her due to the fact that I'm missing the countless muscles in my left leg I shouldn't be able to walk let alone wear a prosthetic leg but this is something she didn't describe to me or tell me about until Obviously, biomechanically, I've already developed, already learned to walk. I'm a teenager. So I've kind of never had to overcome those hurdles of having to to kind of deal with, well, what am I going to do with what's been put in front of me? I think, obviously, it's taken more time to learn how to walk. If we go even further back, learn how to crawl because of the nature of the disability that I have venerable dysplasia, I do not have my, if I can get this right, I don't have a femur. I've got small fib, fibula and tibula. So in essence, for you, it's quite hard to describe orally. Right, right, right. I've got the bottom half of my leg, so everything. So say, so say what in essence is everybody's calf muscle and ankle is what constitutes my, my left leg, and that is attached to the hip. Oh, wow. You know, I've seen like the old movie MASH, the old TV show MASH, Radar, and that show had a smaller hand, and a lot of people don't know that because he always hid the thing. Then I've got a really good friend, Jason Smith, that was born that way as well, and he ended up being a pitcher for one of the biggest colleges in the nation here, TCU. And I've got another friend, and I want you to embrace a phrase for me. Another friend, 
Shauna Barnes, who's had a lot of health-related issues, and she never says that she's disabled. She's differently abled. And I just love that phrase. It's a cool thing. So you literally have a full leg, but the bone structure inside is smaller. Is that correct? I won't go as far as that, Donnie. It would be the bottom half of the – it's quite hard to explain. It's the bottom half of the leg, so I've got no knee, knee, knee joints at all. I've got no quadricep and hamstring to speak of, so it's how it actually forms as a joint itself. Right. So are both your legs the same size, or do you actually have a smaller leg? That's that's what I'm asking. Well, that left leg is a smaller leg. Okay, so it is. Okay, so is that a genetic thing, or is it just that was the way you were born? Because like my buddy Jason with his hand. It was just the way he was born. It wasn't. It's not a disease or anything. It's a. Well, you could constitute it as a birth defect. Could it be the fact that? Well, I'm born in '86. Could it be a result of Chernobyl, or if we go with my father being in the military, we're talking about the Cold War. Could it be because he's around chemical weapons? Right. I don't know, but could it have a factor as to why I've got a disability? Possibly, but. Who knows? But to answer your question, Donnie, yeah, it's, it's something I've developed from birth. Right. Wow. You know, and here's what I love about just the beginning portion of the story is your mother didn't let on that that you were or had potentially a disability, that you had something wrong. You know, so when you come at anything in life like this is just how it is, it's normal, there's nothing wrong with it, it automatically puts you in the mindset that this is just what it is, right? I mean, that you don't look at it as this is something i got to overcome. You look at it as this is just how everybody goes about doing it. That's awesome. How much do you think that impacted your life as you continued on your journey? I think that's a great question, Donnie. I think it's definitely made me have a, that kind of mindset as to, well, I'm not having to overcome adversity as people would probably perceive it. And it's very much an outlook at, well, okay, this is the hand I've been dealt with. Let me be adaptable to my environment. And the example I will use is if I go back to element, well, the, the example of going back to elementary school, and this is only hearsay because I have no recollection whatsoever of it actually happening, my mother said to me, and I think it was like lunchtime recess, I was sitting on the side watching my friends and peers playing on the monkey bars, but she could see the cogs going round in my head. Well, how can I adapt a solution for me to be able to do what I would now constitute probably a mundane task? Right. But to be able to be playing among my 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 friends and my peers and within probably say two to three days I've come up with a solution that I'm able to implement for myself and I've been kind of that mindset ever since. So you in a sense became an inventor <laughs> to find unique ways to to be able to join in and do what everybody else is doing that's brilliant. I love that. You know, my mindset goes to a place was, did you really get opportunities to, to use this as an advantage? And here's what I mean. Did people look at you when, and we'll talk about some of the cool things you've accomplished because of it, but, but, but did you get yourself stacked up against people and they maybe looked at you like, oh, 
I'm going to take it easy because of this guy. And you use it to your advantage to later on whoop the hell out of him and whatever, you know, you're, you're doing. Because I know me, you know, I would totally use that as a tool to my, to my advantage to further myself. Did you ever find yourself in that situation? I think if we go back to my days in swimming and swimming for the base team, that probably probably arose probably a number of times. I would probably use that as a tool. Okay, you probably perceive me as an easier opponent to go against. Right. Okay. But then you don't know the story that goes behind it. It's like, well, but then on the negative side of that, Donny, I think – during those periods, I had a very egotistical kind of mindset myself. So I would want to beat people within my heat, and I was satisfied with that. And that's very much of a fixed mindset. Whereas I would say to be athletes, people in general, you kind of need to shift between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. You want to be able to challenge yourself, okay, at the very top level, and I probably will go into that a bit more, you can have a fixed mindset because at the end of the day, the winning margin at that level is so minute, people won't remember the times, okay, if you've got a world record and it doesn't get beaten, it's in the record books, but people will remember the winners. You don't necessarily remember who finished second or third. Right. So from from that instance it's probably not a bad thing to have a fixed mindset, but being able to shift between the two, you kind of get a better motivational factor and drive. You're not necessarily focusing on that extrinsic factor that you need other people to motivate you and thus get success from it. You're able to fluctuate between an intrinsic and extrinsic view, so you, you can motivate yourself to be able to succeed and I, I think that's where and that's probably where it shifted later on in my career I don't need out external sources to be able to motivate me get gratification for winning because I'm beating well to a lesser degree an easier opponent I want to stretch myself beyond that better myself and not be so fixated on well I'm content with beating you whereas I should be wanting to beat myself thus progressing further up the field and challenging against better individuals than being in that fixed mindset and just being satisfied with that kind of, well, in essence, self-gratitude. Right, right. Now, that's a brilliant way to look at it is, and I don't think people oftentimes challenge themselves, you know, they're going for the next stage and the next win, the next whatever, versus setting a bar that really pushes them further in their own life. It's a great message to put out there. So. You already said you were on the base swim team. Mm -hmm. At that point, were you competing against everybody else, or were you already into a para-athletic para group? No, I would have started at the age of 11 with the base team. It wasn't until I was about 15 or 16, and it was one of the coaches on that team that come up to approach me at practice. And just out of the blue, to me, I before that, we hadn't discussed anything to do with disability, I probably never thought of it as, okay, I know I physically have a disability, but the right. mindset of having an impairment never crossed my mind because, in essence, from a Paralympic standpoint, 
I'm a, probably the least, well, not the least severe, but kind of the upper echelons of having a disability, right. probably in the realms of what is socially acceptable to some degree. You wouldn't know if I had trousers on. Right, right. Still, if I, you would assume that I was able-bodied. So it's not until I start moving around that you are, oh, that he does have a disability. Or, well, but even so, even with the, the trousers on, they're going to assume that you're completely missing an extremity. Mm. not have a birth defect or whatever you want to call it, right, under there. They're going to make some assumptions. Maybe you were a veteran with a war injury or, you know, they're going to already make some assumptions about you if they don't know your story, right? What's it been like having that experience? You know, so 15, you got a coach coming to you and now saying, hey, there's an opportunity in front of you. Walk us through that. I was taken back by the comment, and from from memory now, they said to me, what is your thoughts about doing disability sport? And I'll answer this from two points of view now. I think it was me challenging authority at being a teenager. It's like, well, I'm on a Why would I want to do that when I can compete? Among my well, among my able-bodied peers within reason. Okay, I was a little bit reasonable. That's probably me doing a little bit of reflection at, at later years. Well, okay, maybe the thought process was slightly different <laughs> 15 years ago. I I wasn't like whoa whoa whoa. What what are you talking about? But I because I've been brought up a certain way. I'm going to listen to what you've got to say. Might not agree with it at the time, but okay, I have the decency to say. Well, this is your opinion. I probably I know I definitely didn't agree with it, but I took on board what they said and kind of ran with it. Okay, it had probably been about three to six months later before I actually implemented it and went to a disability club out in Belgium where I was living at the time and kind of went through the process of practices and whatnot. And we kind of fast forward to that that practice at that club. I think they thought, I would just be the average run-of-the-mill athlete. <laughs> My mother was on the poolside with their team management. I did the training session as normal, got to the car, and my mum said their eyes lit up. And we put it in perspective now, Donnie. Of the three better swimmers within that club, three of us have gone on to represent our country at the Paralympics. Myself for Great Britain at the Beijing Games and London Games. The other individual represented Belgium, I think, if my memory serves right, at the Athens Paralympics. And the junior of the last one, he has represented Belgium in the Beijing Games, the London Games and most recently Rio. So he's eclipsed both of us. I was say, what happened to you, dude? He ran circles around you, man. <laughs> but the older one of the three of us is the only one to kept in swimming. I obviously, we'll probably go into a bit more detail with me. I went on to do it in two different sports, and the junior of us went on to do it with wheelchair tennis, and he's eclipsed us by a lot because he actually meddled in Rio as well. <laughs> so, you know, if I'm that guy, I'm, I'm going to dangle that in front of you every once in a while. I'll be like, look what I got. You know? So for the first time, you're jumping in the water with people that have some sort of disability and you find yourself. Was it a feeling that you found yourself among peers or was it a feeling of 
because my mindset, I'm wondering if, if I would have rebuilt at that, that moment a little bit more thinking, is this really where I may, need to be or did it feel more like home? I think initially before I went into the, you could say environment in within that bubble, I had a definite negative perception towards the Paralympics because it wasn't in the media, more so in the UK back then in the early 2000s as it is today. Still got, in my opinion, still got a long way to go to be from television, advertisement and all that goes with it to be on par with the Olympics. But from a sporting sense, I would say it's very much there. But to answer your question, Donny, I think it opened my eyes because you're thinking you don't necessarily see people with disabilities. Okay, I did see them at Lynn centers and things like that. But a lot of the times they are your senior, they're, I don't know, in, in the late 40s, you know, 50s, right. like older gentlemen. You don't generally see kids your age with a disability. Whereas now I'm in this bubble, so to speak, you see people with similar disabilities, more severe, visually impaired. So it was kind of, okay, this is kind of new world in itself. So it was more of, how would I put it? Kind of, it really opened my eyes and kind of maybe come into terms of, okay, I do have a disability. I think maybe as a teenager, I was like, I was shunning away from it a little bit. And kind of start to question myself, as people do in their teens, they, they want to find themselves. Maybe that helps to say, well, okay, I've got a disability. I'm not the only one. And kind of the stories that go with it, people will be calling, oh gosh, the first competition I went to when I came back over to the UK in 2003, I think it was, and you've got the team members talking well they'll call visually impaired people blinkies and what's the other one <laughs> i was quite shocked i feel horrible for laughing but i get it i get it from a pc perspective because i've not been in that environment for most of my life right you're thinking how can you say that to yeah, another how individual? Rude you, right? but then once i was engrossed in that environment and we're talking now 17 years now I will talk like that to another disabled individual. Okay, they know I'm joking. Right, and right. We kind of fast forward to the present day. I think it was about 2011 when I was living down in London, and we were joking about among teammates, and we had we saw somebody eavesdropping. So okay, let's ramp it up really and see. Because <laughs> you're, you're being one for a fact, you're being nosy because you're button, you're kind of eavesdropping on our conversation. Let's see if we can really get a reaction, and you could kind of see the lady's face changing. Like, well, one we know we're joking, we're right. kind of stretching the boundaries here, but you're obviously taking offence because you're being nosy. Yeah, that's awesome. And I can see, you know, I had Lance Footer on the show, and Lance is a several-time cyclist in the Paralympics and stuff. They do, and I didn't know until I met him, they do a dual or a tandem bike ride when, when the, the person is visually impaired on the back. I mean, he had some great success in that arena, and now he's a comic book artist and stuff. You know, I'll, I'll be in line. But 
I could totally see. I mean, it's like me going back to my Marine Corps days. We had our own jargon. We had our own speak, you know, and around each other. Dude, you can talk, and I mean, and some vulgarities come out in those conversations, right? And there's times that you forget once you step out of that environment, and you carry those same vulgarities over. I mean, it's like for you walking up to a guy on the street going, hey, Blanky, you know, people are going to look at you funny, even though the two of you may be laughing your ass off. You know, it's in that moment that everybody else is like, that's the root thing in the freaking world you know but part of that is i think you know i'll speak from the marine corps background is it's a coping mechanism right if you can make light of it right you can have fun with it it doesn't feel like a disability it doesn't feel like a a disadvantage and it's like you know why all the military and not to compare it to a disability but it's why all the military makes fun of each other in the different branches and everything else is because we have that camaraderie it's like it's like an instant bond type thing when you can do that but at the same token you guys can do that let somebody from the outside come in and try and join in and they're not part of the club and then issues are going to arise, right? Similar to what this lady, you know, eavesdropping in on y'all's conversation. You know, it's kind of like, oh, well, you you want to ease the drop in. Let's see how bad we can really make it, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. So you went on and you competed in the Paralympics. And where was it at? I forget. The first games I competed at was in Beijing in 2008. Was there any sort of culture shock for you? I mean, people had come to see you in your own country and everything else, and you were this successful athlete doing this thing. Now you're going over to another country. Was it? Was there? Was there any culture shock going in that arena? Or well, if we come at it from two perspectives now, Donny, for the Chinese, it's well, it's definitely a culture shock for us <laughs> because we kind of, I kind of di- di- digress from that. They are very, you wouldn't approach somebody in their culture and say, may I sit here and things like that. And the example I'll use is once I'd finished competing with rowing, I went to see the other sports and, and kind of give support to the, to the other competitors within the team. So I went to swimming, wheelchair rugby, uh, wheelchair basketball. And the actual incident happened when I was at swimming. For your listeners, the athletes have their own ticket and their own section. So I had this ticket, showing it to the attendee. Well, where can I sit? Oh, you kind of said to me, oh, you must sit over there. Yeah, but my ticket said athlete. Why would I go and sit over with the normal spectators when they've had to pay for their seat? So uh, being polite got me nowhere. Okay, let's be Chinese. Now, I will sit here because this is what my ticket said. And the argument stopped. Okay, you can sit there. So kind of going... From what we're accustomed to in the Western world, having to adjust to theirs was a bit weird. You're thinking, well, I'm going to be polite and be (laughs) how I am normally in Europe or the US. But it was getting me nowhere. I was thinking, okay, okay, I'll do how you guys act with each other. Okay, it might be because something did do in a communist country. got to be like that. But then in a capitalist country, it's not normal. Right. order somebody that you're going to do something when you don't know the individual or you're not working with the individual. So that was a cold shot. But to answer your question from a, from a performance standpoint, it was definitely a learning curve because at that time I'd only competed at world, well, be the world championships. I, I know it's for what listeners is probably still a high level of competition, but it's still a massive gulf between world champs 
and the Paralympics because well, and we we yeah we oh. get that because you know even me I hear world championships and you're like all right cool that's amazing I mean you guys are talented but as soon as you hear Olympic anything you're like oh my god that's the best of the best right I mean you you automatically put them in this category is holy cow that's the elite. They are strong enough, fast enough, whatever, competitive enough to play at that level. It's e- even from a civilian perspective, if you will, you know, of looking at never being an Olympic athlete, nor would I ever even try. That's the Super Bowl, you know, is the Olympics. It's a pretty impressive feat. What was it like walking out of that stadium the first time representing your country? Hey guys, it's Donnie here, and I just want to let you know that we've recently launched a content development company, and this company helps people get social content. You know you need to put out a lot of content nowadays to get engagement out there in all your social platforms, but we've come up with a really cool way to help you get videos, blog posts, memes, social posters, and infographics for you know, whatever social site you need. So check us out at successchamps.us and learn more about how you can get social content for your social media. Support for this podcast comes from Point Blank Safety Services and Blue Family Fund. Blue Family Fund, helping dependents of law enforcement families on their journeys. Blue Family Fund is a nonprofit that raises funds and offers financial support through higher education scholarships for dependents of law enforcement officers and by providing financial assistance for families of fallen law enforcement officers. Every dollar donated will go to the families of police officers, either through scholarships to dependents of police officers or as aid to fallen officers' families. Visit us at bluefamilyfund.com. You're listening to Donnie Success Champions, where I believe Everybody is on a journey. Life is all about the stories you can tell and teach later. You're going to hear the stories of people who have overcome hardships, failures, and life to find success along their journey. Well, a little bit apprehensive because being the first one, I don't know what to expect. The sense of pride because... It was kind of a first of a number of things. It was the first time well, I'd competed at the Paralympics. It was also the first time the sport had been in the Paralympics. So, I, so there were kind of lots of milestones. All those crews that competed at the first first Paralympics in Beijing have kind of set the benchmark for, well, be it themselves, because there's still one individual still in that team, uh, what we now 10 years on, and he's the mm. only one left. Whereas all the rest of us have either retired or gone to other sports and what have it. But we set milestones of, well, every crew within the British team made a final. So I got the honour of, well, I was the first one within that my classification to make the Paralympics, but also make the final. Okay, the, the boat since has won a gold medal, but I was kind of the, the pioneer, so to speak, in that event, kind of one of the original six in that classification to be the first to be able to say, well, Paralympic finalists. That's awesome. I mean, you got that for the rest of your life. I mean, that's a cool designation. And, you know, if somebody else hadn't got the gold, I mean, 
you'd still have this fanfare, but you know, that's absolutely awesome. So what do you do with all this? I mean, you, you've had all this great success in the sports world. You completely took on life without believing you really had a disability type situation. What do you do with all that? I mean, where's your career taking you? Well, once I retired five years ago now, it was, well, how can I give back to the, the next generation and kind of be a role model, a source of inspiration, but be be a networker and be the link between development sports, uh, grassroots and the elite level. So I went for positions within development sports, could say, unfortunately for me, or more positively, the job never materialized. I got a little bit frustrated at the time, but thinking, well, what am I doing wrong here to not get in these positions? Thinking, well, I've done it firsthand to get from the bottom to the top. Why can't I get a job? You can learn how to number crunch in a job. I probably can use Excel, be it from what I learned in high school and, and university. It's not difficult to learn. Being able to get from A to B in a sporting sense, you can't, you can't learn, you can, you can learn it. But if you can learn from somebody that's physically done it, I would have thought you'd be in a better position. So what they were looking for, Donny, I don't know. So, and then fast forward two years on from that, I kind of got fed up of sitting on my backside and claiming benefits on the doors. Like, well, my family's been at me for since I'd retired. Well, why don't you do? Why don't you go into the profession of the, and go into the fitness industry and become a personal trainer? And it kind of went, okay, I'm fed up of doing nothing, so to speak, and, and not doing anything with my life. I've learned from some of the best trainers there are from a strength and conditioning perspective, and learned what actually athletes are capable of doing. Let's let's jump in full throttle and go with it okay, I was probably a little bit naive with not be doing my research as to what company I could go with. Fortunately for me, I was quite fortunate. I managed to get a good, credible company. I've heard horror stories of other people getting conned and so on out of their money and kind of get regretting who they've gone with. I've gone with a good company and kind of gone with that. Within six weeks, I was trained up to be a personal trainer and within, what would it have been, say a month after qualifying, I was working in a gym. Nice, nice. Do you think there's going to be a portion of you that's standing on stages and talking to crowds and sharing your story to inspire the next generation? Or do you think it's being a trainer is going to be the, the thing? No, I'd definitely like to give that a crack. I've, I've had the privilege of doing it for you know, like small crowds, bits from corporate perspective, colleges, uh, more so in this country, but and then schools and trying to, for me, it was just retelling a story of how I got from A to B. That story has probably transitioned a little bit down the years and how I have looked at my education alongside the sport has probably transitioned completely because how I perceived education and sports I would say more so at high school level than probably the collegiate level. I kind of put it to the back burner and okay, I was content with being above average. So I'll put that in perspective a little bit. 
I graduate with, I think, just over a 3.0 grade point average. So it's it's still pretty good. And I think some teachers, and I, and I think the, the one that springs to mind, I did one at a college just outside of London, and you could see their eyes kind of go, James, what are you doing? What are you telling <laughs> to our student? You're above average. But I put it in perspective. Yes, I put more importance on the sport at that time, but I also went to university. So you can't say I wasn't academically challenged. I did want to challenge myself from a mindset perspective and try to learn as much as I could do throughout the time that, that I wanted to be in education. So I, I would probably, that mindset has probably shifted. And I would say to the, be it the kids at high school level or maybe at collegiate level, not putting importance on their academics, you need to because from a sporting perspective, I was lucky. I never had a career in threatening injury or like my career was cut short. I decided to call time on when I finished, whereas you might not be so fortunate. So if you put more importance on your education, probably more specifically high school kids, you're going to be able to get an education from that and have a subsequent career after sport. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, I think we're all on some sort of journey, right? And that's the whole point of this podcast and show. And, you know, being on a journey is the ability to go out and experience life, do things, challenge yourself, go further. And I think the more important thing is, is you bring that knowledge back and give it to somebody else, right? And you pass it on, pay it forward, however you want to look at it. But when you have such a gift as, as yours, which was some sort of mental fortitude to push as hard as you did to reach those levels, which is a very impressive thing, that is not an innate feature in most people to have that much tenacity in them. But going back and delivering that message to others about, you know, how you able to not overcome the disability, but overcome your own physical limitations by working out more, by mentally challenging yourself further, by pushing yourself further and finding success in your own life is a beautiful platform that would inspire a ton of people to embrace and go for it a little bit further. So I can see that being a big portion of your life in the future. And, you know, I think there's a book in you somewhere. I think, you know, you sharing your story really about your upbringing and how much impact your mom had on your story is an impressive thing to tell, mainly due to teaching other parents how they can bring their kids up based on the influence and what it had in your story. I think that would be a very impactful thing. Man, this has been a lot of fun hearing your story. I've really enjoyed this. I was really, really looking forward to this one. Here's how I like to wrap up every show. If you could leave my audience with a quote, a phrase, a slogan, a mantra, a motto, something they could take with them on their journey, especially as they're going through it, what would be that phrase or quote you would say as you're going through it? Remember this. That's a good question, Donnie. I would say, and this is one I came up with the other day on somebody else's show, but I would say everybody has a goal in mind. You've got to look at it from a different perspective. Okay, you want to look at it as how I would use my analogy is I wanted to reach the top of the pyramid so to speak, and every athlete does. They want to get that elusive gold medal. But I probably 
had a unrealistic target that I wanted to attain. So I was probably looking for perfection, whereas I think people should strive for challenging themselves and pushing themselves beyond their boundaries, but not trying to attain perfection. Whereas I would say, try to overstretch yourself and try to succeed and get as close as your target you set out and look to reflect on those targets and reevaluate them and then change them accordingly as opposed to setting an unrealistic goal and trying to overstretch yourself and look to get to perfection, whereas I think you're going to fall short at times. No, I love that. I love that. It's a great message. And I think people screw up goal setting because they do shoot for the moon when they should just shoot for the next level. Yeah. So great message. Great message. Well, brother, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story with this man. How do people get in touch with you? How do they find your information? You can find me on social media. So on Twitter, it is at James O. Roberts 11. It is the same for Instagram. You can find me through my website, at fitamputee.co.uk so that's f-i-t-a-m-p-u-t-e-e.co.uk now that's a great website name by the way (laughs) i love it i love it well brother thanks for coming on the show i think everybody's got a kick out of this one thanks for sharing your story it's been my pleasure donnie Thanks for listening to Donnie Success Champions podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our current guest today, or if you'd like to hear stories from our other guests on the show, come hang out with us on our website at successchampspodcast.com. I really appreciate you tuning in. If you need to reach out to me for any reason, you can catch me at Donnie at DonnieBovine.com. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success because that's what it means to be a success champion.